Good morning, everyone. Welcome into the SEC Morning Report. I'm Blaine Gilmer. This is Southeastern 14, your home for daily SEC sports coverage. I'm going to be talking here on this Monday, October 23rd, about everything we learned about each of the SEC teams this week. Yes, even some that didn't play and were on by. So we will be going through all of that. As always, guys, make sure that if you are looking for an audience uh, that loves SEC sports and you think it it would uh, your company would appeal to them, we would love to work with you. So hit up caroline.smith at Southeastern 14 um, to make sure to find out how you can be an MVP with us here at Southeastern 14. Also hit up Chomps, 15% discount. You can check that out in the description below. But guys, let's get right into it and we'll start. We go in alphabetical order like we always do. Alabama, we learned they have championship DNA and both talent and depth to match guys uh they were on the ropes no question about it in the game versus tennessee and tuscaloosa but that bryant denny stadium crowd helped out a lot and then also alabama showed a lot of resiliency in that second half able to really come out and stonewall tennessee a little bit when it comes to the defensive side of the ball held Tennessee to just 3.9 yards per play in the second half after Tennessee averaged over seven yards per play in the first half. Uh, Deontay Lawson, Jihad Campbell played tremendous. Um, you've got guys that are continuing to make plays at opportune times offensively. Jalen Milrow, Jermaine Burton continue to play well. Now, they, they still had some issues when it came to pass protection. They didn't run the ball just phenomenally. You go look at the ball, box score, and you don't think, hey, this was a dominant performance. But Jason McClellan, his 27 carries, a lot of those came in the second half, and he was pounding the rock and finding a way to to you know just keep things keep things moving forward and good teams find ways to win even when they don't have their best and that seems to be the calling card of Alabama they just continue to show that resiliency they've won some tight games this year the, the Arkansas game last week they didn't have put their best foot forward found a way to come out and win did the same with Texas A&M on the road um old miss started slow ended up coming out out in the second half and make an adjustment. So this, I think, shows that Nick Saban, Tommy Reese, Kevin Steele, this coaching staff for Alabama, I think they're very comfortable with what their team is, with who their team is, with how they're going to go about winning ball games, and they don't panic. They go out and stick to a process. I think you have to give that Alabama defense so much credit for holding Tennessee a couple of times early when Tennessee had all the momentum holding them in the red zone. Guys, that was huge. I mean, absolutely humongous because if Tennessee punches in scores, uh, I think in the second and third drive of that game after going down and scoring and then getting some short field opportunities after that. And guys, the, 
it just breaks your back right there and you don't have an opportunity to come back. So tremendous job by Alabama defensively in sudden change and short field situations there uh, in that those second and third drives of the game. And that really was the difference as Alabama was able to come back and then they just uh, they just stymied the Tennessee offense and made better adjustments at halftime. So, like I said, Alabama championship DNA had the, the depth and the talent. I do think that it is a little concerning that Jace McClellan is just getting all the carries right now, and you can only take so many hits as a as a running back in the SEC. I'm really confused as to why Jam Miller uh, and Justice Haynes aren't getting involved in the picture at all. I would be surprised if both of those guys are still around next year for Alabama. So that is one thing that I would kind of that I would kind of look at there if I was the Alabama Crimson Tide. But overall in terms of the season and what Alabama's playing for, they look like they are the favorite to get to the SEC championship game out of the West. And it's because they know how to make adjustments. They know they play really good defense and they're tough offensively and make enough plays when they need to. So that is what we learned about Alabama. Arkansas, we have a full reaction video on the channel about the firing of Dan Enos uh, as offensive coordinator. Yes, they only mustered three points um, this year. They're only rushing for 2.9 yards per carry. But what we learned is, you know, Arkansas has squandered the final season in Fayetteville for K.J. Jefferson and also for a very, very good Travis Williams coach defense. Uh, this defense deserved better. K.J. Jefferson has deserved better. The offensive line play has failed. Um, the wide receiver play has been less than stellar. And you can blame Danny Nose if you want to. I don't think if you brought in Steve Sarkeesian there to call plays at Arkansas this year that it's any different. I just really don't. I think with Rocket Sanders having been injured, with the guys that they lost on the offensive line from last year and who they tried to replace them with, I just don't think it was enough to get it done for his Arkansas program. No doubt Sam Pittman is feeling pressure. That's why this move kind of had to be made. But, guys, I'm just telling you, it is not – it is not an ideal situation to be doing it at this point in the year. I know that, you know, hey, you're going to go into an off week, so you give Kenny Guyton an opportunity to kind of rejuvenate things, revitalize things, and, you know, you're going to have two weeks to prepare for Florida with a new OC. But, you know, anytime you're willing to pay nearly $3 million to fire someone in Dan Enos, uh, I think that shows a little bit of desperation on the Arkansas program, a little bit of desperation out of Sam Pittman has to show, hey, I'm doing something here. I don't think he really wanted to fire Danny Nos, but I think it was kind of a message of from the up top saying, hey, something has to be done here because this is unacceptable, scoring only three points at home against a Mississippi State team that is not exactly the 85 Bears defensively. So I just think it was a rough, rough go there for uh, Arkansas, tough look, and I hate it for K.J. Jefferson because I think he's been a great, great SEC quarterback and a great leader there for Arkansas. And that defense uh, was good enough to win more games than it has this year. Now it's going to be very, very hard for Arkansas to make a, buy, uh, a, make a bowl game. Um, they're going to have to get things figured out after the bye. Auburn, there is zero trust involved by all the people in Auburn's passing game. 
everyone involved from the quarterbacks, offensive line, running backs in protection, wide receivers. If it's third down and remotely any kind of chance of running the football, Auburn's going to try to run the football. They cannot depend on their wide receivers to make a play. Auburn had four catches by wide receivers in their game versus Ole Miss. Jarquez Hunter had three catches at running back. Rivaldo Fairweather had five catches at tight end. Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford look very uncomfortable. There's just no continuity, no confidence, no excitement in this passing game whatsoever. There's just a void of talent over there in terms of the wide receiver, wide receiver position, and Hugh Freeze has not been shy to vocalize that. Uh, I think he is – Every time he gets a microphone in front of him, he's trying to recruit wide receivers to Auburn by telling them, hey, this is how bad the situation is here right right with the wide receivers that they currently have. Now, probably doesn't make those guys on Auburn's roster feel pretty good that are in that wide receiver room, but Hugh Freeze is just being honest. And, you know, another situation where a defense is pretty good defense is being squandered. Auburn – Auburn plays pretty good defense, especially when they had the return of Keontae Scott and Austin Keys and, and people like that. I think Ron Roberts is doing a great job. Um, I don't think this is on Philip Montgomery. Uh, same same way I don't think Arkansas's uh, struggles were on Dan Enos. I think it's just it's more about the Jimmys and Joes than it is the X's and O's, and Auburn doesn't have the right combination of scheme, quarterback, and receivers all mixed together right now. I do think Peyton Thorne is a better quarterback than he is showing this year. I think the adjustment to the scheme, the lack of quality receiver play on the outside, the lack of trust between those two elements, um, and now starting to not really, not really keep your eyes downfield, uh, not have an opportunity to you know, set your feet and throw. He's more looking to, okay, first reason out there, I'm taking off running. And same thing with Robbie Ashford. So I just think there's zero confidence in that passing game, zero confidence on third down for Auburn. And it's going to be hard, hard to fix going forward. Um, Auburn now gets the, the opportunity to take on uh, Mississippi State at home before they go to Vanderbilt. So you could be looking at a couple of big opportunities to win. They're favored this week but Auburn has to get something figured out in the passing game. Florida. Florida's on the bye week. They're still beat up in a couple of places, um, whether it's, you know, Scooby Williams, Derek Wingo there on the linebacker position, Kinsley Aguacan at center, which is the bigger one uh, for, for Florida. They've still got some wide receivers and Andy Jean uh, and, and a couple others that are banged up. Caleb Douglas, you know, suffered that leg injury against against Kentucky. So can Florida get healthy right now? They're 14 and a half point underdog is what it opens up for the game in Jacksonville, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. So can Florida get healthy? I think they only practice three times this week on the bye week. So that is something that we have to find out. And, you know, if Kinsley Gukon does come back, that helps bolster that, that running game. That Tennessee game is really the, the one where he was maybe his 
is healthiest, may be able to go, and that really helps out a lot when he's there and able to help with not only uh, identify, call out protections, be a spearhead in that run game, but Florida definitely would like to get healthier as they're coming out of this bye week and getting ready for the Georgia Bulldogs. So that is essentially what we what we learned about Florida in a in a bye week is that hey they're they're used it more for health than anything um, down there in Gainesville. Georgia had some people that were around practice that notified me that Georgia got a lot of reps in deep shots to Rara Thomas, which he's he's been kind of that that X receiver, that dynamic that can go out and, and make some plays deep. Now that's going to get accentuated a little bit with Rock, Brock Bowers out. So that's what we're saying here is, hey, the reps with Dominic Lovett, Rara Thomas, Lawson Lucky, all trying to get some some more rapport, continuity there with Carson Beck as they prepare for the Florida game. The offensive line is getting healthy, guys. Uh, you know, we talk about Brock Bowers' tightrope surgery. Well, Marius Mims had it after the South Carolina game. He should be on track to play in this game. Xavier Truss also, who was banged up after that Vanderbilt game, he looks like he should be able to go as well. If Mims is able to go, that would put Mims at right tackle, and that would put Truss at left guard back in his original position that they started the year off on. And now you have Dylan Fairchild, who can mix in at different spots, who has experience of starting at left guard with uh, Mims haven't been out and trust haven't been moved to tackle. And then also, guys, Austin Blasky hasn't been healthy all year, and it looks like he is trending back towards being ready. So Georgia's offensive line depth is returning to what we thought it would be. Um, that should help in the in the run game. Florida has struggled mightily at different times to stop the run this year. So I think that is something you got to look for. Kendall Milton also getting healthy on this bye week. So we learned that Georgia is getting healthy uh, with that opportunity to to ha not have a game. And they're also getting s some guys that are going to be called upon collectively to step up for Brock Bowers, a lot of reps in that offense with Carson Beck. What I learned about Kentucky is I didn't learn much about the team, but I went around and was looking at various uh, message boards, looking at various places where Kentucky fans, Facebook, things like that, Kentucky fans interact with one another. And I just found that they have totally written off the chance of winning this Tennessee game. Uh, there is zero confidence out of the Kentucky fan base, it seems. They have zero confidence that Devin Leary is going to get things going uh, and they're going to be able to score enough points to beat Tennessee. I think that you give Mark Stoops a bye week and, hey, you got a really good shot to win win this game. You get two weeks to prepare. You get them at home at night. So it could be your rain game. So it could make it you know even harder for Joe Milton to throw the football. So I think Kentucky's got a lot going for him in this game. Um, but, man, the, just the confidence of the Kentucky fan base has dwindled where it was at a – fever pitch a couple of weeks ago going into that Georgia game. So just the morale, you hope the morale inside of Kentucky's building is better than the morale outside of it. And the, the people who are, who are rooting for that fan base, maybe the, the pessimism wears off after this, er, you know, it's still early in the week as it gets closer to game time in Lexington, maybe they're a little bit more confident and they pack out 
Kroger Field in blue and white and, and, are, and are loud with that blue and white chant in there. So we'll see. We will see on that front. LSU respectfully beat down Army. They did the whole camo in the in the end zone. I know Brian Kelly uh, has a lot of respect for the service academies. And listen, uh, you know, 62 nothing, but it was really – it could, probably could have been way worse than that. Um, Malik Neighbors, Brian Thomas continued just to be a dynamic duo, maybe the best receiving duo in all of college football. And, you know, I think this is this is not a very good um, Jeff Munkin coach team. Uh, so it, it's rough for Army to be able to, to have to go into that environment at Baton Rouge and be able to play against that caliber of a team, especially when they don't have their best. But LSU, uh, like I said, they were classy in how they tried to honor and pay tribute to to Army and to the troops and things like that, but they just they had a cakewalk down there uh, in Baton Rouge. Mississippi State, they say, who needs offense? Uh, Zach Arnett literally was just leaning on that defense who basically you would have thought were the, the Pittsburgh Steelers of the early 2000s or the Chicago Bears uh, uh, in 1985 because they were absolutely – terrorizing K.J. Jefferson play after play with that offensive front being in shambles over there for Arkansas. Uh, you know, they continue to – Nathaniel Watson played played great at linebacker. They continue to just play conservative football. Uh, the sideline reporter asked Zach Garnett, hey, why did you not go for it in Arkansas's territory with an opportunity to go up two scores? And he's like <laughs> – he basically told her, hey, have you seen – the defense that we're playing and it's a field position type game and, and that the points they scored only came off of a turnover uh you know in our own in our own area a sudden change things like that and it was a field goal he liked his his chance to stonewall arkansas and stonewall them they did i think zach arnett we learned that he's more involved in the play calling now defensively they provided a little bit more pressure than they have in in previous weeks so Mississippi State, they have an identity, especially with Will Rogers out, where they're going to lean on the defense and try to run the football, and they won a game that way in Arkansas. Can they do the same going forward? It's going to be much tougher on the road at Auburn as Auburn, even though with their offensive struggles in the passing game, as I said, they are more of a uh, – they have more ability on the offensive side and a little bit more talent, a better running game than – does Arkansas. So it'll be a tough challenge on the road. Can Mississippi State bring that lockdown defense two weeks in a row? Old Miss, they showed maturity, guys. Uh, yes, Lane Kiffin and maturity in the same sentence with Arkansas. Uh, this is a game in the past that, that Old Miss, you would see, find a way to lose, right? Things not going exactly the way they want to. A couple turnovers, Auburn sticking around, that Jordan-Hare Stadium crowd all of that kind of stuff, but they found a way to get the running game going enough to start to lean on that Auburn defense. You know, they kept Auburn's defense on the field. 74 plays Ole Miss ran, and eventually they just wore them down, got Quinshaw Judkins going. Uh, Jackson Dart made enough plays to, you know, really, really kind of solidify um, that win late. You know, had some nice targets uh you know, to throw the ball to Trey Harris, Caden Prescorn, 
Watkins gave it a go. He wasn't a huge factor in this game. But there is, there's a lot to like about this Ole Miss team, and I think it just shows a lot of maturity because Auburn is not an easy place to win, especially when things aren't going your way and that crowd really gets into it. So I think you got to give a lot of credit to Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss for showing some, some program uh, resiliency and maturity there that they're able to win a game when you don't have your best effort. And I think they really, really showed that there in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Mizzou, uh, Mizzou looked like a complete team versus South Carolina. Uh, I think they did a good job on both the offensive and defensive front. They kept South Carolina from hitting big plays on the back end. Uh, Brady Cook was efficient, wasn't great, but he was efficient. They ran the ball effectively when they needed to. Missouri's a complete team, and now they get a bye week to prepare, two weeks to prepare for a trip to uh, Athens, Georgia, after Georgia will have just played a you know emotional and physical uh, rivalry game against Florida. So Missouri's got everything out in front of them, and they're a complete football team is what we learned, and they they put together uh, a – they looked like a complete football team, put together a complete performance against South Carolina. Now, I know a couple of the players, Cody Schrader and people like that, were a little bit uh, – disappointed with how they kind of finished that one they didn't didn't really step on our on uh, South Carolina's throat late in that game so to speak we're a little bit maybe a little bit conservative in the second half but didn't bring as as much of the same edge but that happens when you're up big and uh, Missouri Missouri looks like a complete team I think is what we learned and they now they get a bye week to look like even more of a complete team and they're going to need to be when they go to Athens in Oh, oh, two weeks from now. South Carolina's offensive line that it's running out in front of Spencer Rattler is an embarrassment. Guys, uh, Vershawn Lee didn't play. Uh, Trey, Trey Adelaide went, went out of that game over there at left tackle, and I probably you know butchered that, that young man's last name. But, hey, he was playing left tackle for South Carolina. He went out of the game. They're just down to the bare bones, guys. They, they don't have any – any depth at the offensive line, and they're doing what they can to survive, but they can't protect Spencer Rattler. They can't run the football well. Just not a good look for South Carolina, uh, and they couldn't take advantage of red zone opportunities partially because of that, um, even deep in the red zone versus Missouri. So Shane Beamer and company uh, got to try to find a way to cobble something together on the offensive line, or it's going to be a rough, rough ending to the season. Tennessee, uh, they don't have the quarterback player, the ability to adjust coaching staff-wise, in my opinion, when their fastball isn't there. Uh, what I mean by that, when things aren't going exactly the way they want to offensively or you get adjustments from the opposing team, which last year we saw adjustments after a little bit early success moving the football against Georgia on the road. Georgia adjusted. Tennessee didn't. It was curtains. Same thing. Tennessee had the the opportunity to kind of break Alabama's back early on in that game. Couldn't capitalize in the red zone. Couldn't adjust in the second half. Had 27 straight points scored on them. That's on the coaching staff as much as it is the players. Joe Milton, not accurate enough on third down. They went 8 of 18 on third down as a team in terms of conversions. Only 44%. Not going to get it done on the road, especially I think Tennessee just, uh, you know, they're they're really good early on, and they're always going to move the football 
on people because of that that scheme, that tempo, their spacing, things like that. But you have to be able to capitalize in the red area. And then you also have to be able to make adjustments and find things that, hey, when when they take away option A, we have answers here in Tennessee did not have the answers for Alabama. Tennessee can still have a really, really good year. Uh, they will not be in the SEC championship game, but they they can still have a good year. They, they face a physical team in Kentucky on the road after having just had a very physical contest against Alabama. You know with what uh, Kentucky has seen on tape with Jason McClellan pounding it at that Tennessee defense in that second half. That you know Ray Davis is going to get his carries, and they get a little bit of a let up, you know, cupcake type game with UConn after Kentucky at Missouri. So at Kentucky and at Missouri, that's 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 a tough stretch right there. So we'll see how they how they come out of that one. Then then oh by the way, you return home and you get Georgia coming in. So this is a tough stretch. We're going to learn a lot about. Tennessee, this coaching staff, uh, about Joe Milton. Do we see Nico, um, the backup quarterback, before things are over with? I would venture to say at some point you probably will. Um, But Tennessee, I think it's been the lack of the quarterback play in terms of just being consistent that has hurt them uh, and the lack of being able to execute you know, on third down when needed to in that game versus Alabama, that really hurt them. Texas A&M, we learned that Jimbo Fisher was kind of positive. We looked, we thought last time we saw Walter Nolan uh, get carted off of the turf there at Neyland Stadium, we thought his season was done. But Jimbo Fisher said early in the week, last week during the bye week, that Edron Cooper and Walter Nolan should be available versus South Carolina this week. So that's very positive news for that Texas A&M defense. Very bad news for the South Carolina offensive line, as we noted earlier, which is in shambles, and this Texas A&M defensive front is very good. So, Edrin Cooper, Walter Nolan trending towards being able to play according to the last statement we heard from Jimbo Fisher. We'll see if that changes any today and let you know about that on tomorrow's morning report as we'll go over injuries and go inside the numbers. So, guys, we are here every Monday through Thursday morning. So make sure to check us out here. Like, subscribe, turn on notifications. Vandy, uh, I thought a quote in a radio interview by Barton Simmons was very interesting. He said, hey, we're better positioned in terms of Vandy, better positioned than last cycle to attract portal players. That is the general manager for Vanderbilt football, Barton Simmons. Um, That tells me maybe the, the Vanderbilt administration after you know allowing money to be you know poured into the stadium and once they get some things uh done there with facilities wise maybe they're like okay now that we've we've done this we need to try to get a little bit of a return out of our investment and add some things on the field you hope for vandy's sake that they they start to work with them a little bit and whether it's the opportunity to get some players in there more academic standard wise or whatever that they're able to to make some adjustments because vanderbilt uh, you know, it, Clark Lee's working hard, and Vanderbilt has players that play hard. They just don't have enough talent, and that's what you have to have. That's what Barton Simmons is talking about here. So if the general manager is saying they're better positioned to attract portal players than last time, I think that's an interesting comment, and that's what we learned on Vanderbilt's bye week. Guys, I hope that you learned that Southeastern 14 is the place that you need to be for all of your SEC 
news analysis coverage. We've got previews coming out today and predictions for all the SEC Week 9 games. So check out everything here. We do a reaction show every Saturday night. Chris Lee, Blake Lovell, Gavin Schoenwald, they have a daily show that goes live 12 to 1 Eastern, 11 to 12 Central Time. Of course, like I said, the morning report for me, Monday through Thursday here at that airs at 10 Eastern, 9 Central. And then on Fridays, I'm with Jake Crane for Jake's Takes on Southeastern 14. We got Brian Edwards uh, on the channel, a Vegas insider for over 20 years that is here giving betting picks late in the week. So you want to check that out as well. Lots of content, guys. So make sure you check us out. We would love for you to join our, our YouTube as a member if you'd like to do that. Supports the channel, helps us create this content for you guys it's affordable for you it really helps us so thank you so much if you'd like to partner with sec uh with southeastern 14 again hit up caroline.smith at southeastern14.com thank you so much for tuning in and we will catch you guys next time right here on your home for daily sec sports coverage southeastern 14. <laughs>